Welcome to another episode of the Pat's Blitz podcast presented by SB Nation. I'm your host, Stephen Thompson. Alongside me, my co-host, Chris Blackie. Going to be talking to Alex Barth. He works for CLNS Media. Going to talk about the bye week for the Patriots, uh, preview of the Jets game this coming weekend and much more. So here we go. Alex is now joining us. How's it going, man? Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I know the Patriots get a bye week every year, but it, it stinks not getting to see them play on a Sunday or a Monday, whatever the case may be. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it does. You always miss football, but it is kind of nice. It, it, it's a nice chance to go around the league and take stock of what else is going on in the NFL, you know, especially for us who cover the team. Uh, you know, we we don't always have a lot of watching options on Sundays, especially if it's a one o'clock game or a four o'clock game. It's been a little easier this year, obviously, with all the all the prime time. But you know, it was nice to kind of not have to get out of bed super early, just just stay in some sweatpants, order some food, watch some red zone. It was it was a nice change of pace. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So yeah. So like besides like the Chiefs, is there anyone else really in the AFC that impresses you? The Steelers don't impress me talent-wise. You know, I mean, they do. They're a good team, but it's nowhere above where they usually are. They just, in the past, it feels like Mike Tomlin's, uh, for lack of a better term, lack of ability has cost them. They seem to be winning in spite of Mike Tomlin's bad decisions this year, which is new. Um, and if they're going to do that, I mean, look, the Jaguars certainly helped them out a lot on Sunday, but that's the kind of game under Tomlin they've traditionally lost. And now they've won a couple of those this year, and it it, it makes you look at them twice, I guess. I, I wouldn't, I don't think they're more talented than the Patriots. I think they're the clear third, um, but I do consider them more legitimate this year, just based off what I've seen in the past couple of years. So, I guess short answer, no long answer, yes. <laughs> yeah, now the three teams, the Chiefs, Pats, and <clears throat> the Steelers. They have the toughest schedule, I think, going forward out of the three. So I'm not honestly concerned at all about them. To me, this is it's, a two-team race a, in the you know, AFC. It's more of a keeping an eye on them for the playoffs. I know they have a tough schedule, and I, I do think they end up, of those three teams, being the one that has to play on Wild Card Weekend. But, you know, a veteran team like that in the playoffs, you never know. I, I, I do think if everything shakes out the certain way, uh, we are looking at another Patriots Steelers AFC championship. Really? So you're calling for yeah, the I mean, demise of the Chiefs? The 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 Chiefs could certainly get there, but I, I we've seen it from Mahomes now a couple of times that he does he he does get lost in the moment occasionally. It is a very young and unexperienced team. Andy Reid's history in the playoffs is not great. Uh, I think right. if, if they have home field advantage, you know, it's certainly going to be tough for anybody to go in there and beat them. But the Steelers are the kind of team that can do that. Um, and I, I don't even know if the Patriots are. Uh, I don't know that they have to, at least not until the AFC Championship game. But I think the Steelers are the kind of team that could do that. Um, I, the Chiefs are a very good team. They're also a very young team. I think they will have their time. Uh, we see it a lot in sports now, right? We saw it with the Red Sox the last couple of years. Uh, we saw it with the Royals when they lost the World Series and came back and won the next year. We saw it with the L.A. Kings. There's this new trend of teams 
getting really close and losing, and then it's that apparent motivation of losing when you get to that doorstep that pushes them to the next level. This Chiefs team strikes me as one of those teams where I think they need to lose big before they can win big, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. I know I don't know enough, Chip, but I know for myself, I don't want any part of going to Arrowhead at all. Oh, absolutely, Patriots absolutely always playing bad there. If you have to play them, you, to me, you got to hope that it's at the Razor and not at Arrowhead because that's a whole other animal in itself. I don't. I, I I personally don't see how that happens. I think the Chiefs do have some tough games, but I'm not sure if the Patriots can catch them because the Patriots have a couple of tricky games as well. Um, I think mm-hmm. all of us in New England are going to be massive Steelers fans come that third weekend in or second or third weekend, whatever it is in January. I think we are all going to be all in uh, on the Pittsburgh Steelers at least for a week uh, in January, which is going to be an interesting feeling because I don't think we we've ever done that before. I don't think I can do it. I can. <laughs> I know I can. You know, we have I mean, rivalry week, you know, what we got going on now. Easy. I, I can't do it. I, I'm telling you outright, I cannot do it. I hate the Steelers. I hate the I think, Steelers I, like I, I, I hate the, they had the Yankees. There's, there's I, I, no I, going I there for too. me. <laughs> but I, think I can't you're do you're it. Looking at a, you're looking at an AFC championship trip to Arrowhead as the other option. Uh, I think you'll turn around real quick. Um. Yeah, I would. In thirty plus years, I'd have to say that I've been watching. I don't think I do it. My hatred's <laughs> too deep. I'll do I'm it. a little bit stubborn too, so I mean that that works. It's, but is, my other question for you, switching gears a little bit, is there a team in the AFC that's flying on the radar that we should be paying attention to? I mean, I don't know if the Chargers are under the radar. I think that's a good team. I don't know if they're mm-hmm. on the level of those other three. Um, right. But, you know, they could surprise somebody. I guess that's if you're not going to root for the Steelers, that's what you need to hope for is that the Chargers upset whoever they face uh, in that. It would probably be the Chiefs, the, the one in the wild card team. So I guess you need to root for the Chargers to upset the Chiefs and the Steelers, which if they can beat both of those teams in a row on the road, they probably are for real. No, I don't think so. I can do that. I may have said the Bengals earlier in the year. Um, they got off to that hot start, but I just have so much trouble believing in a, in a Marvin Lewis-led team. I, I think it's pretty – like it's been in the past couple of years, it's, it's pretty clear cut. Uh, not, I mean, there are teams that can get you week to week. I think the Colts have shown that at times they can put together a decent game. I think Houston at times can put together a decent game. But when you're looking at the big picture, you know, is anybody else going to be there? in the final four outside of those uh, three teams we talked about off the top, I don't think there's any other AFC teams that, that are on that level right now. Yeah, I agree with you all the way. Bolts are an interesting team because, you know, they're on the West Coast. A lot of us don't get to see them unless you have the you know, the football package that you can actually watch all the games. But for those who don't, we just see what we see on TV. They've got a pretty decent team. I've always liked Rivers. I think he's a tough dude. But whether or not they can make the next step is to be seen still. Yeah, I mean, they're a good team. They played the Patriots tough last year. Phillip Rivers certainly has the experience. Uh, it's just, it's it, there's always those teams in sport. Every, I feel like every sport has one that looks good on paper and should be good, but they, they can never live up to that. And the Chargers yep. for years 
have been that team to me. And again, a lot of good players, mm-hmm. um, and they're they're. They've been a good team this year. They've certainly been better than they have in the past. But I don't know when, when you look at it. When you start to look at the matchup and how it would break down, there's just not that those one or two things you can look at and say, okay, this is what could give them a chance. Like this is what's going to put them over the top. They're a very good team. They're not a great team. Agree. I got a cousin, a friend who are Charger fans, and I always tell them all the time, the the bolts are going to bolt and. They lost to the Broncos at the end. That's the very first thing I said to them. Oh, the Bolts are always going to be the Bolts. Oh, shut yeah. up. That's it's pretty much you know. what it is. You know, they're good at just about everything, but I, I don't know if they're great at any one thing. Melvin Gordon's a great player. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, they you look at the Patriots, and they, and they have Tom Brady and what they can do with the passing attack and the advantage they have coaching-wise. Obviously, the Chiefs with the speed, that's, that's going to be very tough to contend with. Uh, the Steelers' running game has been nearly unstoppable this year, even without Le'Veon Bell. I'm not sure, you know, where you're mentioning the Chargers in that conversation, what part of the Chargers you're pointing to and saying, you know, that's, that's the thing that makes you afraid of them in the playoffs is because they do this thing so well. Uh, I just don't know that they have that dynamic. Yeah, I'd call them a solid team, but not a great team. Exactly. Thompson? Yeah, so how do you think Duke Dawson's going to fit into the Patriots secondary? That's really an interesting one for me because he played corner. He's a slot corner at Florida. And then all of a sudden, you know, we get to the first preseason game and, and we get the media depth charts and he's listed as a safety. So, I mean, I've talked to my co-host at CLNS, Evan Lazar, about this a little bit and the skill set definitely carries over and we know that, that they lack some depth at safety. I, I really don't know. Honestly, I don't think anybody, but Bill knows how he's going to be used um, because they can use him in so many different places. And if you think about it, that would be very attractive to Bill. And that might be why they made all those trades to acquire him in the second round. I definitely think we'll see some of him in the slot. I don't think we see him too much on the outside, but not necessarily against the Jets, I, I, I don't think, is, is where we'll see them get too creative with him. But against a team like the Steelers that have that vertical passing attack, I would not be surprised if we see him back there as an extra safety. And it, there's no tape on it, so it's tough to tell how that would go. But I don't think they plan to use him as a pure thought corner. And it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I can't remember them really handling anybody like this. They've moved guys' positions before. They moved one McCourty from corner to safety. They moved the other one from uh, safety to corner. So they have some experience, but I can't remember them drafting a guy who had only ever played corner and trying to make him a safety, and I think that's what they're going to try to do. Kind of similar to what they've done with, um, well, they're doing now, but you thought it was going to happen with Jason McCourty with Rolfing is going to be a safety, but he's been outstanding in that corner this year. Right. But that, that's a guy who's been in the league for years and has all this experience. I mean, Dawson's he's a rookie. He's the complete opposite of that. You're not asking oh, for him to learn a new level of football and play the game at a speed he's never played it before, but you're asking him to do it at a position he's never done it before. I'm not saying they can't do it. I'm not saying it won't work. I actually think that uh, it will end up helping them out, at least in the short term. But it's, it's, I'm wondering, and we haven't gotten a chance to ask about it yet, 
because it, it's tough to ask without having seen him done it. But if he does play safety this week, uh, I look forward to asking him about how that transition went and, and how they worked with him on it. Right. So I don't really know a whole lot about him other than what I've heard because I'm not into college football, which is still a topic of debate still. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you see as much football as I watch. I've been into college football, but I can't get into it. I just can't do it. Oh, it's reason. so much fun. You got to try it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. much fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was, but, um, go ahead. He was pretty decent in college. I think he had four interceptions last year. No, he, I mean, he was a good, he was a good slot corner. He was they, they reached for him maybe a little bit, but again, if they feel like he has this versatility, that would make sense. Yeah, he you know he he's showed the ability. He definitely showed flashes that he can be an NFL player at corner. The question is, are they going to use him inside? Are they going to use him outside? Are they going to use him at safety? It's not so much about can he do it. It's where will he be doing it, and I know that's the question you guys asked me. I don't want to not answer it, but there's there's no way they've, they've been so ambiguous about it. It's really tough to tell. I think we see him at safety uh, down the down the stretch here. I think we will see him at corner at times too. I, I have no idea how that will shake out because again, I've never really seen them try anything like this. A good point. So, who's uh, been a disappointment for you so far? On the defensive side of the football. Offensive side of the football, you said? Defense. Uh, biggest disappointment on the defensive side of the football? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's it's all the guys who haven't been able to play because they've been hurt. For me, it's, I'd probably have to go with Danny Shelton. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought he was a really good player in Cleveland. I thought he was really good in the draft. I thought he would help sure up some of their issues against the run this year. And they have been better against the run, but I don't necessarily know it's been because of him. He hasn't played as much as I hoped he would. Uh, he hasn't been bad. So I, I feel bad putting a disappointment label on. Nobody on the defense has really been disappointing to me. Um, mm-hmm. But he, he certainly hasn't played at the level I thought he would coming in. Yeah, I hope for him too. So I, I agree with that all the way. Steve? I mean, to me, it's Devin McCourty. He seems to be getting beat a lot more in coverage this year than I can remember in the past. Yeah, I he does so much for them, communication-wise, yeah. and all of that. It's tough to call him a disappointment, especially when, and him and Hightower, for me, the communication this year on defense has been so much better than what it's been in the past. It's been their biggest issue defensively the past couple of years, lack of communication. And with Hightower back, and, you know, he hasn't missed a lot of time in McCourty, uh, what those guys add and kind of the stuff you don't see, yeah, Jason, uh, pardon me, Devin McCourty is a little bit older. He's going to get beat. But that, that's the trade-off you make that's in sports. You lose a little bit athletically when you have an older player like that, but you gain a lot in experience and intangibles. And I, I think the trade-off's been worth it. I don't know. You know, if you put a younger, more physically capable safety back, not that Devin's not physically capable at all, but if, if you put a younger guy back there with, with a little less miles on the tires, I don't know that the defense looks any different. It might even look worse. Um, so I, I know people have said they're disappointed in McCourty this year. I think it's clear physically he's not the player he was two or three years ago, but he's far from having a bad season. To me, it's Derek Rivers because I can't understand why he can't get on the field. I mean, that's, that's a good one. He's, he's competing for reps at a very deep position, but, yeah, I, 
I loved him coming out of the draft last year. I thought he was going to be a game changer. Obviously, he got hurt, but you know, to see him not be able to get reps over guys like well, Geno Grissom early on, and uh, why can't he even get out on special teams? That, that's a good one. I I would like to see him play more of a role, and you know, some of it's on the coaches. He hasn't been active, but I think that you know if he could do a little more. Not that I, don't, I mean, I'm sure he's working very hard, but. Um, it just hasn't reached that level I thought he'd be able to reach given what he brings to the table physically. Well, speaking of special teams, what do you contribute to them being as bad as they've been this season? So I, not to sound too much like Belichick here, but honestly a big part of their special team struggles has been the offense in that mm-hmm. punt game. You know, even in the past when they had a punt, they'd pick up a first down or two first. They're not doing that this year. There's a lot of three and outs, and you're punting from the 25 instead of the 40, and naturally it's going to make the uh, special teams look worse because field position football. I don't need mm-hmm. to that to you. When it comes mm-hmm. to kickoff coverage, I'm I'm not somebody who's going to fault Belichick for spending money on special teams. I know there's a lot of people who will say, "Oh, why are they paying Matthew Slater this much? Why are they paying?" You know, Brandon King this much, oh, special teams. I'm fine with that. You know, special mm-hmm. teams can win you ball games. That being said, if you're going to invest that money in those units, they'd better be, you know, among the best special teams units in the league. When I see Chris Hogan out of position on numerous kickoffs allowing big returns, you know, if we're paying all this money for specific special teamers, why is Chris Hogan on the field in that situation? And he, he looks a little lost out. I don't remember if he's played a lot of special teams in the past, but he looks lost out there. And Belichick's talked our ear off. He's gone on these monologues more than once this year in press conferences about special teams depth. And there's 66 guys and 66 spots, and there's 66 backups to those guys. And I want to know who Chris Hogan's backup is at this point because it's not just him. There's been other guys out of positions, but I feel, I feel I've seen him – more than anybody else out of position on kickoff coverage. And the other thing is, I'd like to see if Gostowski's not getting the ball to the end zone, because they really should be going for touchbacks every time. Clearly, with the new rules, it's harder to pin people. And if Gostowski can't get it to the end zone, let Ryan Allen try. Because they should be going. I think the way to go with the new rules, as much as I hate to admit it, I am very much a traditionalist, uh, but the way to go with the new rules, I think, is to just go for touchbacks every time. Yeah, that's another platform thing. How come they're not doing that more? It's a good point. You would think Goskowski has the legs made to do it. Well, because they catch backs all the time. Belichick wants to catch teams off guard. He wants to catch them making mistakes. He wants to, you know, he wants every little yard. Why give them the 25 yard line for free when you can make them earn it? And there certainly is a, a fair school of thought there. And I think last year with the old rules, it was very doable. I think the new rules have made it tougher. The new rules certainly favor the returner. And Belichick is still trying to – he's still going by last year's strategy of, well, well, let's make them earn it. Now, you have the bye week. You have this time to adjust. Maybe we won't see it anymore. We'll just see Gostowski knocking the ball into the end zone, um, which isn't easy to do, and he's not going to do it every time. But I, I think a lot of these have been on purpose, these short kicks. Um but yeah, I, I think some of it is Belichick has been doing this for so many years and he has a way he likes to do things and he thought that he could still do it through the rule change. And, you know, he's got to try. He's not just going to give up. But uh, you hope at this point he figured out that with the new rules, he, he has to adjust. 
Yeah, I understand the mentality behind it, but they're getting burnt bad on it by doing that a lot. They've got to switch it up, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it does have to change. We hope it changes with the bye week, and it's going to be prime. T- well, depending on the wind, but uh, it's going to be cold. Ball's going to be a rock. It's going to be good kicking conditions, thin air in New York this weekend, so we'll see. Yep. Steve? Do you think they're, he's kind of making them kick it shorter on purpose because when the weather gets tougher, it's going to be that much harder to get a touchback? I mean, that's, that's part of it, I think. I, again, I just it's the way he's yeah. always – for whatever reason, he's always done it this way. He's always done it this way. And I don't think he was going to let a rule change affect that. Um, but – you hope he's seen at this point that it, it does and, and they need to go in another direction. Especially, look, if you're going to be playing Kansas City right in the playoffs, you don't want Tyreek Hill touching the ball any more times than he's going to. You know, if you, let's say he kicked the ball off three times, four times. That's four extra touches for Tyreek Hill. I don't feel great about that. You know, keep the ball no. away. I'm not saying you yeah. kick the ball out of bounds, but if you can get it out of the back of the end zone. Get it out of the back of the end zone. Don't let Tyreek Hill touch the ball more than he has to. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, definitely. So, what have you seen from Brady this season? What was that? You have a, did you have a question, Steve? I said, what what have you seen from Brady this season? Um, you know, as much as everybody wants to talk about him regressing. I've seen it a little bit, certainly. I think his decision-making has been a little slower. The whole noodle arm thing is, is stupid. His arm's fine. Um, I think last week what a lot of people were picking on was nothing new. When you get pressure on Tom Brady in the interior, it throws off his internal clock. He panics. He doesn't make good decisions, and he's inaccurate. You know, that, that's not specific to 41-year-old Tom Brady. It was 31-year-old Tom Brady. That was 21-year-old Tom Brady. He's never dealt well with interior pressure. That's always kind of been his Achilles heel. I don't know why everybody freaked out about it last week. Um, He certainly has been a little slower on his reads at times. Uh, I don't think the play calling's been great. I think that there may be – everybody wants to talk about the issues between him and Bill, which I think are overblown. I do think there are some issues between him and Josh McDaniels. I, I don't think he's been a fan of the play calling this year. The biggest change in his game to me when, when you talk about decision-making is I don't think he's been as aggressive and I don't think he's had as much control at the line of scrimmage. We haven't seen him uh, check out of as many plays. We haven't seen him change as many plays. We haven't seen him hot route as much. He seems to be going to the line and, and rolling with what they're calling at the line. And I, I haven't loved Josh McDaniel's play calling this year, especially last week. Um, I'd like to see him be a little more assertive. That, that to me, is, is, is the biggest thing with him. I think people are – wildly overblowing the words of his demise. Yes, he's had a down season, but he hasn't had the same weapons. And again, I don't think the play calling's been great. So, you know, yeah, it's it's a step back. I don't think people are necessarily looking in the right spot for where that step back is. I think it's more pre-snap than anything else. Um, but, you know, he's not a liability. He, like some people will tell you, there are people saying, oh, this, this team can't win a Super Bowl with Tom Brady playing the way he is. They can if, if you know, everything else goes right, certainly. Um, I'm, I'm not as worried as, as other people are, but I would like to see him be a little more assertive. Funny you mentioned McDaniels. I always say uh, <laughs> Steve at, will at least, 
what do you think, Steve? Probably two or three times a week during the game. Something oh, will yeah, happen I, on the Patriots yeah. offense and immediately I'll get a message from Steve and he'll be griping like crazy about McDaniel's play calling. It, it's great. I just uh, one of these days I'm just going to tweet it out every time he says something. I'm going to comment on. This is what Steve's talking about right now. <laughs> well, that's an well, interesting point. I haven't yeah. I haven't heard anyone bring that up other than you know Steve griping about him <laughs> on the play call. Yeah, I mean it. It's just it's I they they get way too predictable at times, especially mm-hmm. with Tony Michelle. And you go back to early in the year when his touch rate was around eighty percent, which is Gross. I mean, Kevin, uh, not Kevin, Marshall Falk didn't have a touch rate of 80%. I don't know if Barry Sanders had a touch rate of 80%. So to become that one dimensional, it makes it really tough on everybody on the offense. He went away from it at times, but he went back to it in the Tennessee game. And then I'm sorry if I start to, to go off the rails here, but to throw it to your Hall of Fame quarterback and put him in harm's way mm. when the game is over. I mean, I'm sorry, that game was over at that point. Is, is monumentally stupid, right? Let's say Brady gets hurt. Let's say he gets tackled, he gets hurt. Uh, Josh McDaniel can't show his face in Boston anymore. It, it, I, I'm fine with them going back to that play on occasion. That was possibly the worst spot they could have run it because now teams have seen it too. There was no need for them to run that play in that situation, and that just kind of encapsulates McDaniel's issues to me this year. He's creative when he shouldn't be, and he's not creative when he should be. I, I have a very close friend of mine who's a Colts fan. I tell him all the time, you know, you should actually be very happy about what went down with Josh McDaniels in the offseason because this guy could be out there screwing with Andrew Luck's career, and Andrew Luck still is upside. Brady's 41. He is what he is. You know, he, he doesn't have room to grow. Andrew Luck still has room to grow. You, you have Josh McDaniels throwing passes to Andrew Luck with a bum shoulder at 26 years old asinine so look mcdaniels at times can be a creative genius and i am not saying he's a bad coordinator he's just very hot and cold he never seems to have an okay game it seems to me he's always one of the main reasons they win a game or one of the main reasons they lose a game he's very streaky you you can never relax with josh mcdaniels good point steve you got yourself a wet towel to get the sweat off your forehead from that one Oh, down. See, you thought it was just me. Well, I was going to say it's you no matter what. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. If Brady gets hurt, season's over. They're going nowhere without him. And it's one thing, like, yeah. if they need to pick up that first down and it's a close game, you think you can get the Titans to bite on it, fine. The score, everything around that, just no reason. Right. So jump into the defense for a second. Sure. Are you – how concerned are you about them losing uh, Trey Flowers at the end of the season? I'm always terrified of that. I mean, they've never paid guys at that position. I do think it's going to happen. But they're they're so mm-hmm. deep there, and who knows, maybe that's where Derek Rivers steps up and, and turns into the guy he's supposed to be. Uh, Dietrich Wise is outstanding. I think one of the more underrated players in the league. I mean, Flowers yeah. is too, but um, look, you can only pay so many guys. There's a few players they're going to have to pay coming up. Is Flowers the most talented of that group? Maybe. I don't know if he's the most necessary. I think that they can mask that. It's a good draft year if you need a pass rusher. Um, I think it's going to happen. 
I think Flowers is going to get paid. He's a tough guy to replace. And look, will he go elsewhere and succeed? Probably. You know, I think he'll be better because the scheme elsewhere is going to fit him. You look at Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones was always the player. Just the way they used him in New England, he didn't get a chance to pick up those kind of sack numbers. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do think it's going to happen, but, you know, I, I think they're ready for it. I think they're prepared for it. It would be very off-brand of them to pay Trey Flowers a huge contract because they've never done that at that position, and I don't see why they would start now. Well, I hope they make an exception for him. He, he's, a, he's a talent for sure. But, look, if they wouldn't but, make an exception for Richard Seymour, who's a future Hall of Famer, if they wouldn't make well, an exception, yeah. Chandler Jones, if they re-sign Chandler Jones, he's not, Flowers isn't here. If they're not making an exception for those guys, I just don't see what makes Flowers the difference. I, I Richard Seymour play. is like, Richard Seymour, he is my favorite Patriot from those days with Teddy and Willie and all of them. I am a huge Richard Seymour fan. I never oh, really thought about that way. Yeah, if they're You're making too much I, sense here. I, I, I apologize if I'm opening some doors. It's like with uh, I, I had the same thing before the Super Bowl issues with Malcolm Butler had the same thing. If they're not going to pay Ty Law or Asante Samuel, why would they pay right. Malcolm Butler? And they couldn't. If they're not going to pay a guy like Stephen Ridley or Shane Vereen, why are they going to pay Deion Lewis? There's very few positions they actually pay players top dollar at. And uh, most of the time it's, it's in the trenches. Uh, or niche guys, right? Running backs who are very good on third down, slot wide receivers. The guys that they know are going to fetch a lot of money on the open market, they know those guys usually hit the open market. They can go and find a replacement. It's, it's, even though Flowers is a better player, it's going to be a lot easier to replace the guy. And it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be easier to replace the guy in Trey Flowers than it is to replace the guy in, say, James White. Not that James White contract is up but you know i call them liam neeson players you know they have a very unique set of skills and those are the yeah. guys that belichick covet right there's other as good as trey flowers is there's going to be guys like him in the draft there's going to be guys like him free agency there may even be guys like him on the roster now that we just don't realize because they're behind flowers on the depth chart why pay flowers when you can go out and get that guy and that's why that's why that's the crux of why they've maintained this dynasty Bill Belichick in the salary cap era was the first general manager to ever understand that concept. Not fair point. Steve? So do you think we see Obi Malafonwu this week? And if yes, how do you think they're going to use him? I think uh, they'll phase him in on defense. I think we'll see him at times as an extra, you know, that kind of box safety, maybe give Patrick Chung some rest maybe on third and short goal line situations you bring him in. But I think the main reason they brought him in and the the spot I'm really looking forward to seeing him, and this goes back to a point I made earlier, is on special teams. He's very athletic, very quick. He can get down the field. He has some size. And, again, why should Chris Hogan be out there when you have a guy like Obi Melifonwu who can cover kicks, you know, as well as anybody? Uh, I think we see a heavy dose of him on special teams, and I think he's going to help on special teams, specifically on kickoff coverage. So that's where I'm looking for him primarily. If he, anything he helps out on defense, to me, is a bonus. They brought him in, and they brought in Ramon Umber to fix the gaps on special teams, and if they can do that, it's going to go a long way. 
Yeah, that second guy, right. he was with the Ravens, right, for like seven years? Umber? Uh, no, Umber was yeah. with the Bills, and he was actually with the Patriots back in 2016. Why, who else am I thinking of? Oh, you know what? They signed the, uh, McClellan. They did sign another linebacker. Oh, okay. There, they signed him, not Shea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I remind myself, but I think it was Albert McClellan, I want to say. I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now. Um, but the three players they signed in the last week, Melifonwu, uh, Umber, and McClellan, I think are all primarily for special teams in – because they, they release special teams guys to get those guys on the rock. Mm. So, um, I think Belichick knew going into the bye that special teams was one of the biggest holes that, that his squad had, and he certainly went out and addressed it. And he did it under the radar, but he addressed it, and I think he did a pretty good job of it. I think he brought in some good players. Yeah, definitely. So, how Let's do you – Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, how do you think um... – the game against the Jets is going to go. I mean, what, what's that stat I, we keep seeing on Twitter? The six of the last seven have all been decided by a touchdown or less between these two teams. It's going to be a divisional football game. Mm-hmm. Um, if you you think you're coming back from the bye week as a fan, walking into a nice season, you're going to pop down on the couch, have some nachos, have some beer, enjoy the game. Uh, I think it's, it's going to be a little tougher emotionally than that. I think it's going to be a close one. Uh, I do think the Patriots pull it out. The biggest thing for me is how involved is James White? They essentially erased him from the game plan last week. I don't know why. I can't imagine why. When James White has 10 or more touches, when he has double-digit touches this year, the Patriots are 6-1. and one. When he has nine or less touches, they're 1-2. and two. So I want to see James White involved early. I want to see him involved often, whether you're getting the ball to him on handoff, pitches, throwing it to him in the flat. Um, if James White's heavily involved, the Patriots should win this game. If they go back to trying deep shots a lot, the Jets, the best part of the Jets team is their safety, specifically Jamal Adams. If you're going to attack the safeties when you have a relatively exploitable defensive front, mostly because of how good the Patriots' offensive line is, then, yeah, it's going to be a long afternoon. They might lose the game. So it depends which Josh McDaniel shows up, uh, but – I do think they, they lean heavily on James White, especially with Sony still coming back off the knee injury, and it's going to be cold, and it's going to be on turf. Um, you know, I think you're looking at like a 7-10 point game, though. I think the defense is going to have to make a stop late. Uh, it's going to be all the Patriots-Jets games we've watched in the last couple of years, which I, is good news in the fact that the Patriots have won all but one of them, but it's bad news if you're looking for a nice, relaxing Sunday afternoon. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think there's going to be uh, – uh, get get the get the acid tablets ready. I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> so with Rex Burkhead likely coming back off the I uh, yeah into reserve, what do you think that does for the running core? I think you stop seeing James White carrying the ball as much, which is good because if you. You know, odds are if he gets hurt, it's carrying the ball, not on a, a pass. I mean, anything can happen. But the less James White's in between the tackles, the better. Um, I think yep. as good as a power, as, as much power as Sony Michelle has showed, I think having another bruiser is an option. It really, it just, it, it lightens the workload on the other two. And those other two are going to be crucial, and Rex Burkhead is as well. But it, it lightens the workload, and I think Burkhead's a little bit better of a receiver than Michelle. So it gives you a guy who, who can bring some power but can also catch the ball. Um, 
it's just going to help them spread it out and, and divvy out the workload. And, you know, late in the season, James White's had a lot of touches this year, right? He's chasing that running back receptions record. Sony Michelle, it's his first year. You know, he's only used to playing 10, 11 games in college. And here we are getting ready to approach the 11-game mark. So I think anything you can do to take something off the plate of those two guys is, is a major help as you start to look towards the playoffs and, Rex Burkhead will certainly do that, and he's a good player too. He'll he'll help you out. He'll give you quality touches, and but I think most importantly, he takes the ball out of the hands of James White and, and Sony Michelle for a little bit, which will be a much needed breather for those two individuals. Definitely, well, Steve. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Burkhead, he's just got to stay healthy somehow. I, I think like, he, yeah. you know. Anything can, again. Anything can happen, and I don't. I hate predicting injuries. It's one of my least favorite things to do. I think it's stupid. But there's not that many games left in the grand scheme of things. He's not going to be the feature back. Uh, they'll manage him uh, and, and do their best to keep him healthy. They're not going to get stupid with him. I've always been curious what this offense will look like if Hill doesn't get hurt early on in the season. Sorry, what was that? I've always wondered what this offense actually would look like if Hill doesn't get hurt early on in the year. I think you just you you see a little less Tony Michelle. Um, I'm not sure how different it would look. I think losing Hill and Burkhead did a lot because I think those two are going to have similar roles. But I'm not sure how much. And you know, he may have come out and had a dominant season, and and I, I would look like an idiot saying this, but. I think the way Sony Michelle's run the ball and how valuable James White is, I think eventually Michelle would have taken over as the primary back and you would end up seeing uh, James Hill's kind of that change of pace back, that late game back. Uh, you certainly wouldn't see Cordero Patterson getting carried. Um, no. I'm not sure that's been as big of a loss, though, as people, people chalk it up. Although I haven't seen too many people mention that. Good on you for bringing it up because it is an interesting thought. I haven't thought much about it, but um, – I'm not sure he was make or break for this offense. No, I liked him strictly because he was a bruiser, basically. Yeah, I mean, they, they've always missed LeGarrette Blunt since he left. They've never truly replaced him. I think they wanted to try to get him at the deadline. I do. I think they were hoping mm-hmm. when, when uh, Amir Abdullah got traded that they could possibly pry Blunt away from Detroit as well. They just have not – and there are very few guys in the league that can do it, that can – fill the role that LeGarrette Blunt did. I know it's a dangerous topic to bring up in this town. LeGarrette Blunt, there's very mixed opinions. He was far from a Pro Bowl running back. I'm not one of these people who's going to say he was, he was you know, low-key one of the best running backs in the league because that's not the case. But for what he did, uh, he was as good as anybody. For, for the role he had, you know, closing out games, getting you short yardage, there were few guys in the league who were doing it as well as he was when he was doing it. Well, he's still doing it. So He definitely fit the system, that's for sure. Right, yeah, one, yeah. One more for me. How much are the Patriots going to miss Dwayne Allen in the running game? Well, getting Rob Gronkowski back, you hope that lessens the blow a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, he's also a good blocker. But it, it's certainly going to make a difference. I think it means you'll see a lot more of James Devlin. You may even see James Devlin line up as a tight end at times, where Dwayne Allen had lined up in the past. I, I don't think he's supposed to be out for too much, uh, too long of a time, Allen. So he's certainly a loss. He is one of the best blocking tight ends in the league, and I think he gets 
the short end of the stick often in Boston. I think he does a lot more for this team than people realize. But um, I think if, if, if Gronk can block, if Gronk's healthy enough to block, and Devlin takes the more snaps, I think they can manage. They will miss him, but I don't know that it changes, you know, it's this big change in how they run their offense not having him. Now, if, if Gronk can't block or if whatever reason you lose James Devlin, that's a completely different story. But I think as important as Allen is, they're built well to absorb his loss. Now I need the towel to cool myself off, Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris is a big Dwayne Allen fan, if you don't know. As hey. he yeah. The man is an yeah. animal in the run, run block, yeah. and that's all I know. Yeah. And you know what? Look at a guy like Daniel Graham. He had a long career. He caught the ball a little more than Allen did, but Dwayne Allen wasn't in the NFL to catch pass. Uh, pardon me, not Dwayne Allen. Uh, uh, Daniel Graham wasn't in the NFL to catch pass. Daniel Graham was in the NFL to essentially be an extra offensive lineman. If you remember at one point, the Patriots considered actually moving him to guard when they were short on the interior in the mm-hmm. offensive line one year. And those guys, you know, they, they're not fantasy superstars. You're not going to hear from them often, but most of the best teams, most of the best offensive teams have that tight end that's a dominant blocker. So it's an important – it's not a glorious role, but it's an important role. And, you know, the Patriots have certainly been a better running team since they added Dwayne Allen. I love it. Absolutely love it. (laughs) Give me a shake. Mason back will be big, too, for that line. Yeah, I, I know that they didn't – the offensive line didn't have a great performance against Tennessee. They were banged up. They were going against a very good defense. I, I think kind of we saw the worst of what they can be. But, yeah, they, they, I think they'll, they'll be fully healthy this week. I don't see any reason why they won't be. Um, and, and, and they'll get back to form this week. I think they're going to look a lot better, and getting Mason back will help. I think Cannon, you know, getting him back to 100% will help. Trent Brown wasn't 100% last week. So it's tough to judge them on last week. I, I do think that not, uh, you know, Mason's a huge part of it, but just getting all of those guys healthy is going to really help Tom Brady and kind of help him reset that mental clock. Awesome. That's all I got. You got anything else, Steve? No, that's it for me, man. So before you that's go, where can everyone... about home. You guys killed my whole awesome. commute. I love it. <laughs> where can everyone find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Real Alex Barth uh, and Instagram as well. Actually, that's new. Uh, I, I host a podcast called Calling It with Alex Lebowitz, the wonderful morning show host on WCAP up in Lowell. It's at Calling It Podcast on Twitter, and you can find all my Patriot stuff online, CLNSmedia.com, at Patriot CLNS on Twitter, and uh, we post it all on the CLNS YouTube page too. So, plenty of ways to find me. So, if you enjoyed this. I guess that's that's where you go for more. If you found me annoying, if you didn't like my takes, that's that's on you. If, if you can sleep with yourself at night, fine. There's nothing I can do about it. But <laughs> hope everybody. I hope they want to check out some more. Awesome. Yeah, we definitely appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on again. Yeah, any love doing these. Anytime you guys want to have me on, at a great time. Just let me know. Yeah, no likewise, definitely. Have a good one, man. You too. Thanks. Wow, good stuff. Yeah, a lot of valid stuff that he brought up. You want to wrap this up? Yeah, that's where we go. Like, I'm hoping for an easy game against the Jets, but 
like you said, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Nothing ever comes easy around here, does it? No, it's been a crazy year. I mean, there's a lot of upsets around the league. You know, right. Sunday. So yeah. that's football for you. Yep, crazy year, definitely. So yeah, let's wrap it up. So you can find it on uh, patspulpit.com tomorrow morning. This episode, share it with your friends when you see it. Uh, so thanks again to Burn and all them over at Pat's Pulpit SB Nation for bringing us on. You got anything else, Chris? Before we wrap it up, uh, let's both sum it up. Just for all the listeners, just want to wish uh, you guys a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, you can find if you want to follow us and talk to us on Twitter. Uh, mine's We Play for Titles, and what's yours, Chris? Mine's Chris underscore Blackie. Well, sounds good. Thanks in advance for everyone who checks us out. Have a good one. See ya. Hey, everybody. It's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Verge Cast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. So you listen to podcasts, check it out.